Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. This is a debrief from our episode about Visa and Anchorage Q Sheffield. The theme of the episode, I think we discovered the title of the episode mid-episode, David, which is it's got to be called the DeFi Mullet. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, the DeFi Mullet episode. That's what it was. Uh, it seems like they were all in on the thesis on the theory. And what I was struck with, as I said in the intro to this, is the inevitability of the thing of crypto now that these guys are on board. By these guys, I mean the entire fintech space, like uh, that's incredible. It's a, an incredible amount of, of firepower here. Um, Visa's network alone, 70 million merchants. How many banks did he say? 15,000? Yeah, I All love the banks. number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is going to happen now, right? It's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said in the intro, the thing that struck me the most is just the banter that, that uh, Kai, yeah. Kai and, and Diogo had. And like, you know that they have spent a ton of time on calls together, probably going through some very hard problems with how to actually do this thing of like integrating payments in crypto. Because it's a, it's a non-trivial like exploration. Are uh, they and, uh, the David and Ryan of fintech? Yeah, right. So it sounds like <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking is like, why doesn't Visa just buy Anchorage? Like, huh. why, why well, don't they do that? Well, you know, uh, maybe it's only a matter of time. You know that these fintech companies are going to make some big M&A yes. plays in the space. Huge. Upcoming soon, right? Yep. Like, But it's going to cost them a lot because I don't know what Anchorage is valued at, but do you remember Anchorage reminds me of our conversation we had with um, the CEO of Firebox yep. and they had just come off of a raise and that was like a Billions. multi multi-billion dollar valuation there. So um, yeah, the visas of the world are going to make some big purchases and moves in the crypto space, I think. Um, Anchorage, according to this very quick Google search, is valued around 2 to $3 billion. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one, one, I guess, bit of alpha, one thing that surprised me in the episode, among other things, was, um, you know, Diego saying, yeah, and after we bought that NFT for Visa, now we're storing tons of NF- right. uh, CryptoPunk NFTs, right? I got so, so excited when I heard that. So are you telling me a bunch of like institutions just FOMO'd in? They FOMO'd in the same way retail FOMO's in? They're like, Visa's Punks got are, one. We need one. Institutions are just made up of, of yeah. the only difference between an institution and retail is that an institution is just more retail people all in the same spot. <laughs> like, it's still people all the way down. So yeah, institutions FOMO just like everyone else. And like, you know, Ryan, like you're, you're a no punker just like the rest of them. You think I'm going to FOMO in one day? One day, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to capitulate, David. <laughs> I'm going to give in. Yeah, you're stronger, more strong-willed than, than the institutions. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm staring at it every single day of my life now, mm-hmm. every time I record. So maybe you got me in time. Yeah, um, I'm damn straight. Do you know what's cool is I thought the the analogy of like Fedwire and you know bankings being ledgers on top of that that really clicked for me. Um, how did that uh, how did that resonate with you? Yeah, it, and really the whole comparison of like one bank equals one roll up. We've been it's been a while since we've uh, beat this drum, but like in theory, Wells Fargo, anything with a ledger, and Wells Fargo, Venmo, Square, Cash App, like these could all in theory have their own roll ups on Ethereum, right? And that's, it's just like taking their ledger from one format to a different format. And that new format imbues it with a bunch of very cool properties, Um, interoperability being a big one. But imagine being Visa where like, instead of having to deal and integrate with like, I don't know, 15,000 banks, is that the number that we came up with? Yeah. Uh, Just having to deal with like 100 rollups where the vast majority of transaction volume is just on those things. Like the amount of just efficient consolidation that that might bring to Visa, might just be so incredibly simple for them to engage with. And again, rollups 
aren't companies. There's no compliance there. You just interoperate. Like it's just, it's way more permissionless than actually a bank to like, Hey, accept visa. Yeah. What, what I was, I'm just struck by the analogies, you know, um, in, in this thing, right? So we've got Fedwire that is basically maintained by the nation state. And what's the security of Fedwire, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the security of Fedwire is basically the U.S. government. So it's the U.S. military force, it's security apparatus, right? Fighter jets and machine guns and tanks and nuclear weapons, all of these things, plus it's economic power that secures it. And what does Fedwire do? Well, it's mono asset. So it's just for the dollar. It's geographically restricted. So it's only US registered banks and it's permissioned. So in order to get a Fedwire account to be able to settle on Fedwire, you have to have special rights and special access, right? Uh, And um, just the limitations that that brings Mm -hmm. in a crypto network type world where we have something like Ethereum, which is poly asset, okay? And it's not just limited to money, it's anything of value. Okay, that's that that's a brain explosion right there. Um, it's not secured by a military or a nation state. All right, it's secured by the economic value of ether, the asset. It's not permissioned, so anyone can spin up a ledger, a roll up, a bank account, and inherit the security of Ethereum at any point in time. Anyone can develop on this thing. Anyone can use it. It's embedded inside the internet. It's available worldwide. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen in order to access it. So it just it struck me once again. If you like, zoom out and look at the big picture of this thing. Oh my God, crypto networks are going to completely crush nation-state monetary networks, right? So like we've talked before about the separation of money from the nation-state. Well, it's going to be the disruption of money from the nation state because like our networks and our systems are better. And now we're getting your bank's nation state to come build on our networks because they think they're better too. So all of your private institutions are going to come build on Ethereum because it doesn't take five freaking days to move money from one bank account to another domestically. That's why I just, that's what just happened to me this week, David, five days just to move money from one U S bank account to another bank account. Uh, so again, back to the inevitability of the thing and like, the, you know, the parallels, like the efficiency gains, Ethereum can do all of that and doesn't even have a military. It's not paying for all of that vast expense. It's just not using violence or force in order to do that too. The world's most scarce asset is of course time. And when we can spend our money and have that money be routed around the world at with minimum time, minimum time costs, well, think of just like how much faster as a civilization we can actually move forwards if you don't have to wait five days for your money to clear. Because the next most scarce asset after time is money. That's kind of the point of money. There was a, a while ago where we talked about um, the, uh, it was a Monday opening note where Visa announced that they were settling USDC across various crypto banks. Crypto.com was one of them and a few others, Coinbase included. We wrote, we wrote a Market Monday that, was about, that said Visa is about to rug pull the Fed. Or maybe yeah. it's, maybe maybe his crypto is about to rug pull the Fed. Yeah, yeah. But, but the idea is like this entire conversation that we had with Kai and uh, Diogo was about all right. How does Visa and Anchorage help span the gap between this massive payments network that we have in TradFi, the already existing one, and these massive payment rails that we see in crypto? That's phase one, where Visa helps these two worlds interoperate. 
But what they're really doing is like we always say, crypto is an arc. So that while they are building the gaps, they are also building the bridges to the arc. And so they are spanning the gap so it's easier for everyone to move on to the crypto overhauls perhaps invisibly, right? We're just going and tapping your Apple card is still the same behavior, but one day it's based off of USDC rather than commercial banking dollars. And eventually it will, Visa will help just all of this fluid payment infrastructure start to not become denominated on Fedwire and instead become denominated on crypto terms. And yes, crypto terms, USDC, USDT ultimately do settle on the Fed. But Kai was very, very explicit in this is, or no, Diogo was very, very explicit in this, is that retail choices drive everything. And so as soon as yeah. dollars fall out of favor and alternative payment currencies, high-velocity payment currencies that are non-sovereign based, something like perhaps DAI or then even RAI, where it's actually not based on the dollar, as soon as those become in vogue, well, Visa is just a payment network. It will put any uh, currency through its rails as it sees fit. And so... In this next five to 10 years, we are going to see Visa with the help of Anchorage help integrate the payment rails and the payment networks of the world, but it'll ultimately shift onto be a completely crypto neutral, crypto based payment rails. And what was Kai saying at the very end? We want Visa to have crypto culture in it. We want to expand the role of crypto culture in Visa. They, whether they know it or not, they are preparing to step into this crypto only world. And this is only going to help accelerate the removal from the Fed, removal from central banks that we've always wanted in the bankless world. Yeah, absolutely. And like Kai made the point, it's not going to happen overnight. All right. right. And like, we're not naive. I don't think people in crypto are naive enough to think that's just magically going to happen overnight. This is exactly the way it happens incrementally through steps, you know, and like you start with a visa card and you get loyalty points and some of that's in crypto and some of that's in, you know, tokenized DRCs and you move from there. But just the mental model of like, when you boil it all down, what is Visa? It's just a interoperability network. It's a bridge for ledgers that are settled on top of nation state yeah. settlement layers. Okay. So what happens when you switch out those ledgers for DeFi and rollups and you switch out the settlement for something like Ethereum? That's what that's exactly what's happening right now. Big picture, right? And when you get someone like Visa on board, I just saw this month there's been um, all of these announcements from MasterCard about everything that MasterCard is rolling out. And MasterCard's like, oh shit, we better hurry up. Like right. uh, Visa's ahead of us, right? So they're FOMOing in and all the fintechs FOMOing in. All of these uh, groups have the ear of regulators in the US too. So they're going to make sure that regulators are, are kept at bay. Is once again, it's just the inevitability of the thing. Like it's over. Like it's just now, it's just a, a waiting game, if you will, for crypto to ultimately become the base layer money system and settlement layer for everything of value on the internet. Like I, I, I firmly believe that like with conviction, I didn't always have this conviction, but now we're seeing everything that we've been talking about for the past few years. It's like playing out in real time, right? It's like so many of our predictions, Dave, we're just talking like uh, crypto banks or, or exchanges becoming more like crypto banks. We saw that play out in real time. Um, about a year ago, we started talking about how fintechs would you know grow out their DeFi mullets. They're doing it. They're accept like it's just playing out. It's like it's all going according to plan, my friend. Mm -hmm. It's like all happening. Totally. And so that this is why I have uh, so much more conviction than I've had like more than any other point in time. 
it's really interesting to see the line that we keep on giving where crypto pays you to learn about it show up in so many different angles and so many different contexts. I, I didn't expect to start off that conversation with just saying, hey, the volatility of crypto makes people pay attention to it more. Yeah, the whole right? engagement <laughs> conversation. That was crazy. Man. I did not. Yeah, we did not have that in, in the agenda, right? Yeah. But like crypto is a mind virus. It's yeah. really interesting. Is is uh, Ether at $3,000 or $3,100? I don't know. Let me check. Uh, like, <laughs> what, what did all my points? Are my points that I've gotten, are they up to like $2,000 yet? I don't no, let me check. And so it's just like the amount of uh, just attention that crypto captures, the fact that just these web two payment companies care about that is absolutely fascinating. And it's it's not just like there's so many, so many things to learn. There's so much content to learn, but there's also just like, it's just so much surface area. People actually care about these things when you put them, when you give them more control over their money and assets. I love these little pockets of innovation too. It's right. It's like, let's just take an entire kind of sub industry, like the loyalty points industry, right? right? Mm -hmm. Where you have like hotel points and airline miles, mm -hmm. just take that entire industry and, um, think about how crypto is going to revolutionize loyalty points, right? They'll all be ERC 20 tokens that you can take off, you know, mm -hmm. platforms and exchange in an open economy. You'll be able to value them instantly you'll be able to swap them on you know exchanges like like uniswap in real time you'll be able to uh get incented in so many different ways right and that's just like one mm -hmm. sub segment that is going to improve everything legacy all of the airline miles all of the hotel points all of that stuff they've just been like they are fax machines right and now the email has come out and they're just about to be replaced and so it's funny to me how like we talk all the time about so much opportunity in crypto. I mean, you could just even make a career out of doing that. All, mm -hmm. all you see is that. I'm like, I see that uh, there's going to be tokenized loyalty points in the future. And I'm going to uh, work in that industry and bring about that transformation. And you could there's entire businesses that are going to be built on top of this, entire careers that are going to be made on top of this. And this is just one tiny sliver of what we're talking about. I think the loyalty points conversation is actually kind of a, an underrated one. The rabbit hole on this thing actually goes like pretty, pretty deep. I made in the uh, podcast a comparison between like loyalty points for with the worst ever form of fiat money possible. Like, and, and think of that, like airline miles, they're an, a, an internally native currency to each individual airline in the same way like the ICOs of 2017 were like, oh, and we'll have our own internal payment currency. Yep. That, that's an airline mile. That's a hotel point. And I remember like my parents telling me, oh, you, like, you should get an Alaska card, credit card, so you can start accruing your, your airline miles. And I was like, ah, no, like, I don't. The airline miles are the most inflationary currency that oh, exists. Oh, yeah, dude. It's they such a scam. They have complete control over their yeah. monetary policy. They have no yeah. mandate of employment and, or anything. They only want to have customer acquisition. And yeah. so, like, as soon as this becomes, like, uh, interoperable by the demands of the consumer to have airline miles or consumer point uh, reward points that are actually part of a greater ecosystem in the same way that like crypto makes checks on government and, and makes them like have to actually answer to the value that crypto networks provide crypto networks will also force these like reward points to actually have value because they are part of the free market, right? So if your reward points are on Uniswap and company B's reward uh, points are on Uniswap, you're going to go to whichever one gets you more Ether or more USDC on Uniswap. So really this turns into like a crypto gaming conversation with 
when you play your game, how much money can you get when you exit the game and sell your money, your funds on Uniswap? Same thing with credit cards and reward points. How much money can you get on Uniswap? And so now you are actually forced to compete with on real terms about how much value you can actually return to your consumer. And there's always this, this conversation marketing about like customer acquisition costs. The reason why people like Dharma will pay you $50 if you go use their applications because like they pay a lot for marketing, they pay a lot for customer acquisition. And now it's, they're just going to be more directly paying you money to use their network, which is the same conversation as all of these DeFi apps that are paying you to use it, paying you to sub submit liquidity, paying you to borrow. And ultimately the whole Web3 model is how much can a network pay you to use it? And so this yeah. whole airline miles is going to be completely rugged by this new concept of, can we just re-inject money back into our consumers? Imagine being the web two world thinking about that. Like you're, you're dead. You don't got it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of over for you. Right. And so what's funny is I, I used to know, so I used to travel a lot for my job. Right. And I used to like hang out with the, like executives and they would like, they literally spent decades of their life trying to rack up airline mile status. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause once you hit over like a million miles or something, you get right. like all of these features, all of these, these benefits and, you know, a certain amount of points. And I'm just like, wow, you could be rugged anytime right. by the airline, right? right? They can inflate that away. They can do whatever they want. Just like how Facebook rugged its APIs and killed a bajillion businesses. Same thing. Totally. Same. Totally. Mm -hmm. Same thing. And so like, you know, that's one aspect of it, but then like we're just talking even about airlines and, and hotels, but what about, what if you create a loyalty point system for basically every business, and, right? everything, right? Like almost everything that you do mm -hmm. um, could be like tokenized. And so I bet we'll see a ton of innovation there, but a lot of that, like today, even the airline miles and such, it's all connected to credit cards, right? So Visa is kind of the nexus of this. And um, yeah, so I think we're going to see big moves in that space is like a microcosm of what's going on. Um, what were some of your other takeaways? Like the fact that they brought a, bought a crypto punk was pretty cool. Um, I learned a lot about payments. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what else, David? I still don't actually get what the lessons were learned from buying the CryptoPunk. It seemed like it was a more like Friday mm -hmm. afternoon experiment more than it was like we were actually learning deeply about how this works. But I, I will say, um, okay, as somebody who wasn't previously an NFT owner mm -hmm. and then purchased an NFT, right? Like it's kind of like buying crypto, right? Like my, yeah. our best advice for somebody who wants to learn about crypto is like buy some first because sure. then you start paying attention to it. You've got some right. skin in the game. So there's, maybe there's a little bit of that now that they have a crypto punk. It's like everyone on the team is now paying attention to it learning about other NFTs. So I guess I kind of get that. I also liked um, Q, Q's uh, comment that's like everyone on our team actually uses crypto, right? So, and that's the only that's actually thing pretty actually rare. Know what you're talking about. It's pretty rare. Um, so for, however, in this small division in Visa, they've developed that culture of actual users. And um, that's super promising because it, that's why Q knows what he's talking about. Like, I mean, he knows what's going on. He knows what's up and it's because they're all users just like us. They're on the bankless journey. The difference between having a company that all use crypto, because you can't use crypto without believing in it. Like it, yeah. it, as soon as you start using it, you start believing in it pretty damn fast. That's so bullish for the company because there are so many companies out there that are trying to do crypto things that like you need to have an internally like 
internal set of your employees that actually believe in that thing that actually know what they're talking about. Imagine trying to create a crypto product without anyone being a crypto person on the crypto team, right? So the fact, the fact that so many people at Visa are using crypto, uh, kind of in the same way, I think Coinbase is turning a page right now because so many more people in, in Coinbase are now using crypto. I think crypto is, or Visa, th this is exa exactly what Kai said about trying to instill crypto culture into Visa. Like the rate of progress and adoption, I think only goes up from here. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, one thing that uh, we didn't really get to, but I'm curious how this this plays out, right? So, like, uh, Visa's bread and butter, as I understand it, is the merchant fees that they charge, right? It's right. like two two percent, two and a half percent every transaction, maybe upwards of three percent, right? What happens to that in the world of crypto, mm -hmm. right? And it's not necessarily something that um, they can do anything about, right? So they're pursuing the best strategy, which is like you can't just stick your head in the sand and ignore the crypto disruption that's about to happen. You have to actively engage it or you're dead. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just saying like, there's a lot potentially for Visa to lose in crypto as well. And I know Kai is not focused on that because he's the crypto Visa group within yep. Visa, but somebody's probably thinking about that. And I wonder right. how this affects how they think about crypto writ large. Like if, I don't pay two and a half percent on the USDC I send to people or receive. And I don't think a network right. that's using crypto rails can support those types of margins, right? What what did Chris Dixon say? Your margin is my opportunity. That's you know, quoting uh, Jeff Bezos there. Um, your take rate is my what did what did Chris Dixon? Anyways, yeah. That's what Bezos said, but yeah, yeah right. he changed same, it same. to your take your take rate. But it's like you can't in China, they're not charging 2.5%, right? right? Because right. it's all big tech companies doing it. Uh, so what does that mean for their core mm -hmm. business model is a question that uh, maybe I have for Visa, not for Q. Uh, yeah, Kai. there's Kai, yeah. Um, they're, like all things, going from Web 2 to Web 3, a transformation is required, just like where you can't issue airline points anymore. You actually have to compete and you actually start having to pay your users. I actually think there, there will be some sort of logical evolution of the business model Naturally, we know that payments in crypto are extremely large. Like Visa hasn't really even meaningfully entered this space and like stablecoin volumes year over year are like, I don't know, trillions at this point. Um, I just made that number up, but something really, really, really high. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's like trillions, dude, like settlement yeah. value. Settlement, yeah. yeah, right. And so like, there's something there, like they can figure it out, whether it's like behind the scenes uh, more with like maybe the payments being settled are settled onto Anchorage. Anchorage is getting a, a fee by lending those out to Compound in the back end. Uh, they pay some of that fee forward to Visa for incentivizing the custody custodianship by Anchorage. Like there's something there. There's, there's something, something there. there, but it might make a smaller Visa. It'll certainly make a different Visa, which is interesting. It'll, take, right? it'll make smaller margins, but higher total volume. Yeah, yeah, perhaps that's kind of the bull case. Um, yeah, what's I, I think this is basically going to transform everything. Um, and so look, that's the that's the DeFi mullet thesis. It feels mm -hmm. like uh it's happening in real time. I guess, you know, you and I often go on these, these themes and these little like um vision quests of like mm -hmm. trying to figure out a given topic. I feel like we just came off the uh DeFi 2.0 um one yep. and figuring that out. Um, we've been trying to figure out what fintechs are doing in crypto for a while. I feel like this is our first podcast about it. Right. But um I would love to do a lot more of these, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what is Square doing in this right. space? What is, like Jack Dorsey, what is Stripe doing 
in the space, right? They just they just got a Matt Huang from Paradigm on their right. board, who is um, obviously a massive crypto native, crypto advocate. Uh, what is Venmo and PayPal doing? So I feel like we have a lot more exploration to do in this area, even getting like MasterCard on, for instance. And I definitely want to um, pursue this. So w- w- where do you think we should go next? Is it just like reaching out to these uh, organizations and trying to find the the, Q- the Kai Sheffields of each? Yeah, it's interesting. One thing I really preach about, about Kai is that he's pretty damn transparent. Like he just kind of comes out and says what Visa is up to. Um, and that's very that's very much aligned with the crypto world. I'm not sure if the rest of the Web two like payment companies they have a lot a lot to lose by like showing their cards. But kind of all the cards we all kind of know look the same anyway. So like we all know every what everyone is doing. Um, maybe we ask Kai to connect us. Yeah, that'd be a good next step. And I'd love to get some of them on. So guys, we will be pursuing this in the future as well. So this will not be the last you've heard of the DeFi mullet. Oh no, uh, no, no. <laughs> we're growing out the mullet. David, anything else you want to say? Nothing for me. All right. Thank you, Bankless Premium subscribers. This has been The Debrief.